0: As we um, get older, th- there seems to be a, a thing where time seems to change somewhat, you know. Eh, uh, and uh, uh, as I started writing um, a sermon for today, I went, "Well, that wasn't that long ago that that thing happened." But uh, as I, I started pondering, I went, "Actually, um, many years ago." when I was a physics student, so it was many years ago, um, uh, I did a a degree that had a sandwich placement. It had uh, a year out in industry. And uh, I worked uh, near Salisbury, And I lived uh, about a couple of miles um, from the office. Uh, And it was an easily walkable um, distance except that my office was on an airfield and it was the other side of the runway. (laughs) So um, you couldn't cross the runway on foot nor were you allowed to cycle. It wasn't deemed safe. There was a set of traffic lights. There was a road that went straight across roughly the middle of the runway, but you couldn't walk it or cycle it. You had to be in a vehicle. And of course, in those days, um, not only did I not have a car, but I didn't have a driving licence. So that meant that it would be actually a five-mile walk round to um, the far side, to the main gate. But my boss took pity on me after I'd done this once or twice. And each morning, at about 20 past 8, he would uh, pick me up uh, as I walked to work. As, as I was walking along this narrow country lane, he would stop uh, and give me a lift um, so that we could go in the gate that then allowed me to get across the one way in his car. And this all worked fine until one day he was sick. But he was a generous guy. And although he couldn't leave the house he he wanted to let me know that he was still thinking of me. Um, And he wanted to make sure I got to work. Um, But again, uh, he didn't have the phone number for my digs. And it was kind of before everybody had mobile phones. So he couldn't just ring me. Um, So what he decided to do, uh, with no way of contacting me, he sent his wife. He sent his wife to give me a lift. Now, I'd never met his wife, (laughs) I'd never seen her and she had never seen me. (laughs) And she didn't want to stop and offer a lift to a random stranger uh, just walking about in the countryside near Salisbury. How would she know? And uh, my boss said to her, Oh, you 'll easily recognize Keith he 's Scottish. <laughs> so she set off eh, in her husband 's car uh, with this vision of me in a tartan tam o' shanter <laughs> and a kilt, which needless to say, I was not wearing as I walked to work. Uh, but she did stop and offer me a lift. And I, recognizing the car, believed her story and accepted. How do we recognize somebody? How do we know who they are? Is there something more than looks? How would we describe one friend to another who's not previously seen them? I'm not sure if that accent would necessarily be the starting point. Height, hair colour, even though it changes over time. Clothes, general build, complexion. These are more likely. These give you a better indication. Yet these are not the details we find of Jesus in any of the Gospels we can make assumptions, we can think that Jesus is not like those paintings that we've got used to from Western Europe for the past 300 years. He's probably not blonde blue eyed and whether he had long hair is very much debatable too. The passage we have this morning not only tells us something about the birth of Jesus, it tells us a great deal about the baby who is born. Maybe not in such a way as we might instantly recognize the child. But it does reveal to us the Son of God. It introduces Jesus, the Christ Christ. We might nowadays understand that children are born without sin. Sin comes as we choose to live in a way that is against God's plan. But, of course, even in relatively recent times, that wasn't always the understanding of the church. And nor was it the understanding of God's people 2,000 years ago. It was thought at that time that from Adam and the original sin, sin was passed on from father to child at conception. But Jesus, we discover in the passage, is not like any other human. Mary is still a virgin. And the child is conceived by the Holy Spirit. And this action of the Holy Spirit is obviously important to Matthew. He tells us it twice. He really wants us to hear about the Holy Spirit at this point. In the rest of his gospel, he's a bit slow at telling us about the Holy Spirit. He sometimes mentions Spirit... Only about five times does he use the words Holy Spirit, and two of them are here. So he tells us directly, and then he reports the dream of an angel telling Joseph. We're to hear that this child is so different. This child is truly God's son. Not conceived by Joseph or any other man. But we're also told twice that it's going to be born of Mary. We hear it from the angel and we hear it in the prophecy that a virgin will give birth. The infant will be born naturally. The child we're going to discover is fully divine. It's of God, conceived by the Holy Spirit. But it's also born of a woman, it's fully human. The infant will be born naturally with the pain and the screaming and the metallic smell of blood that accompanies any infant coming into the world. Fully human, but yet divine, born in the image of God and also God, free of sin and free of any concept of the baggage of sin that had been associated in the past we're also introduced to Jesus as someone to be adopted by Joseph the child will be born of Mary but Joseph will perform the role of a father as he names him Joseph is not simply taking Mary as his wife, but recognizing the child as his own, drawing him into the family. Joseph becoming father means the baby will have the right to be seen as a son of David, part of the royal family line. He is in a family whose lineage was anointed by Samuel in the village of Bethlehem. This new infant king is going to be a shoot from the stump of Jesse. And so we start to gather the understanding that he is spoken of in the scriptures in numbers of places. He is the promised anointed one that is the Messiah, the Christ. To this we add the quote from the prophet seen in verse 23 which builds on the understanding of Mary being a virgin and the child being God's very presence, Emmanuel. So we can see in the passage as well as the godship and humanity, the kingship and innocence. But there's another strand to the infant that's reported here. His purpose in life is to save the people from their sins, to become our saviour, our Jesus. Here at the start of the gospel, the writer knocks on the head of what that saving is going to be like, any past concept of Messiah. David had been a great military leader. Surely anybody following on as the anointed Christ would be a great military leader. But here Matthew starts to dispel that false impression. The Christ child is not born to lead an army of soldiers into the battle against Roman occupiers. Nor is he born to stage a coup against corrupt government or religious bodies. He's not going to be rescuing people directly from the sins of others. He comes to save us From our own sins. From the beginning of the scriptures. From the first story of people on the earth. Humanity has fallen short of how we should live. Commandments were given. The law became known. Prophets spoke. But the rulers and their people went their own way. Even those like Joseph, whom Matthew considered to live faithfully to the law, were imperfect. Yet God still loved the world that he had made. God doesn't choose to divorce himself quietly from the earth that he sees as being unfaithful but chooses to be the father. Into this broken world, he gives his son to become a saviour. The birth narrative doesn't describe how that saving act will occur some 30 odd years later. How Jesus will be betrayed, how he'll suffer a mistrial, How he will carry our sins to the cross, the only innocent man in the history of the earth, taking the punishment that we rightly deserve, dying in our place. In a few minutes' time, we will share the Lord's Supper. We will remember his body broken and his blood shed. His blood poured out for us for the forgiveness of sins. And so we will speak of the new birth that we can receive. The eternal life that is promised. Our adoption into God's royal family. Matthew rightly keeps a moment of revealing for the future, some of which we'll see at the coming of the Magi, which we'll consider in two time. For us, looking at this scripture, we wonder how that saving will come. But Joseph woke up. He heard the words of the angel in his dream and then roused knowing what he had to do. He woke up. He took Mary as his wife. And it's for each one of us to also wake up what we must do as God's people. To wake up and not reject those who the world rejects, but instead to love them. We're not to be a people simply of warm thoughts, but a people of action, who respond to the need in the way that God would want us to respond to the need. We're not to live the way of the world, but to live the way of God. And we are to name the one born in Bethlehem, Jesus, acknowledging that he, the perfect one, fully God, fully human, can be the saviour of our sins, Jesus May we live recognising Jesus. And may we live recognising who Jesus calls us to be. Amen.